With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Crime Theory with myself, Ron Swanson, and of course, John Wedger right here on the Sean Atwood channel. If you haven't uh, subscribed, please do so. Make sure you have the bell on, leave a like. And if you're interested in seeing more content from myself, there's a link to my channel, Project Rook, down in the description. And of course, Mr. Wedger, all his links can be found below as well. Now, we've been promising you going into the comments for a few weeks now so that's what we're going to do right now but whilst i'm gathering that john how's your week been yeah good good i've had a, i've had a great week um really <clears throat> moving forward with my uh pants swimming I, I spent two days in the atlantic swimming and uh and i've had um a massive response mainly by ex-military guys uh wanting to get involved in it so it's it's, it's good Wicked, good i've been yeah. busy all right, so first, uh, this is about Madeline McCann, and this is from Synchronized Soul Podcast, and she just yeah. makes it pretty clear, cadaver dogs don't lie. Maddie never, never left the apartment 5A alive. What do you think about that, uh, John? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, the dog's got no ability to lie. Uh, you know, it's purely responsive, and it have no agenda either. Um, and And... You know this, this dog. We've got to look at it. It was it was highly effective in the Hope de la Garenne. Uh, without that dog, they wouldn't have found the body parts there, which were body parts, and it was later uh, came back from the forensic report from an altered exhibit bag. I must add um, that it was coconut shell, and the dog picked up uh, collagen, which you don't get on coconut shell. So that dog. Is bang on, and it was. It's so accurate that dog, um, and so highly regarded that the the FBI took it on uh, after the, the McCann's yeah. hatchet job to try and discredit the thing. So, no, I totally agree that you know the dog can't lie. It picked up a scent in there, um, and it picked up a scent in in the rental car. So, yeah, here's another one. Here's a, more of a statement again from Barbara uh, Grubsner. Apologies if I butchered your name. Never, never, under never understood why the parents were not charged with child neglect because they did leave their child alone. Now, I'm assuming, again, that refers to all the parents in this situation, right? Of course, yeah. Um, and like we said, you know, about the uh, Istanbul Treaty, you know, if it's an offence at home, it's an offence abroad. And, you know, what we got to look at at the same time, running parallel, was the case of Shannon Matthews which was this feckless working-class family yeah. uh, whose daughter was hidden and claimed, uh, in their own words, that, that she had been tooken. Yeah. Uh, but they're very much of the lower, you know, uh, underclasses yeah. in the UK. And they faced all sorts of criticism and scrutiny, and rightly so, because, you know, yeah. they, they were absolute morons. But um, it just shows that, that double standards. And, and I think we, not just when we look at, at, at that minor level um, abandonment offences and things like that, you know, all throughout 
this um, ongoing saga, we, we've seen we've seen that the police just pandering to them. When when if that was me, they would not be um, uh, two witnesses in the case. They they would actually be uh, suspects. So. Yeah, maybe you can back this up. I don't know if this is true. It's from X Patty Five One. Anyone explain why the McCann's mobile phones were never seized? Do you know if that was the case or if they weren't? Um, I couldn't comment on that. I haven't. I mean, you would have thought the phones would be. I mean, phones. The the, the murder units and murder squads uh, within the British Police. They they have special mobile phone unit officers that, that are just dedicated. To mobile phone data surveillance, triangulation, pinging, whatever, and and you know murders are, are solved by mobile phones, and the other thing they're solved by London buses, which are just a moving multi CCTV sort of unit. So, you know, the one of the things we used to do was, you know, phones would be seized always; uh, they would be submitted for analysis, and any any buses and the bus routes cctv would instantly be seized as well so it would be um day one uh stuff just to round up phone cctv any electronic data capturing device so why they never did that seems very odd okay okay this one is from the yorkshire ripper and the moors murder video um hey Ron, do panic panic and ted gunderson head of the fbi do you know? Do you know that case? Uh, uh, not really. Satanic panic. Yeah, I mean, it was it was um, the the sort of pro Satanist lobby group to to say that yeah. anyone highlighting ritual abuse is just causing chaos, mayhem, and you know they were using uh, two big cases in order to discredit that. Um, yeah. uh, you know, one of the the big campaigners in in getting. The reality of SRA out there was uh, an MP called Jeffrey Dickens. He did some incredibly good sterling work, uh, and he worked alongside Will Wong, who, who was a you know good friend of mine, uh, a trained barrister, and, and was at the time a parliamentary lobbyist. And the two of them campaigned tirelessly uh, to get the reality of SRA out there. Yeah. And all they ever got was this, this uh, pro-satanic lobby. And we, we get it now. There's a group called Hoaxed which whenever I put anything out or anyone puts anything out about um, SRA, bang, they're on it to try and discredit it. And there's um, uh, a very popular um, uh, sort of uh, investigative journalist sort of um, periodical that that does the same. Yeah. so, okay. but yeah, yeah, you know, satanic panic is, yeah. is, you know, it's opposition really. Okay. But I, I don't know about the Ted Gunderson. I've heard of Ted Gunderson, but okay. I, off the top of my head, without some sort of rudimentary research, I, I, I would be unqualified to comment on that. No problems. And our thing is, people have been complaining a little bit about the music in the comments. So, listen, what I'll do is there'll be intro music, there'll be a little bit of music at the end, and sometimes if it's a cut scene where we go to a news report or something like that, um, there's music sometimes added there for uh, it not being picked up for copyright and things like that. So I'll keep it out of the main sections, but intro, outro, and if it's necessary, and we'll keep it at that, guys. Okay. <clears throat> right, let's go to Levi Belfield, um, a.k.a. Levi Rabbit. I mean, his um, original name was, uh, surname was Rabbit. And um, this is, 
this is something that, that hasn't been brought up as of yet, and, and it's a very poignant thing because Rabbit will will be at the um the epicenter, I think, to to this guy's offending. And uh in more ways than not. And and okay. I will put meat on the bones of that one. Right. So Levi Belfield, born the seventeenth of the fifth, nineteen sixty eight. Uh, which would make him 55 years old. He's from Isleworth, London, and he's, he claims to be from Romany Gypsy um, background. And Levi tends to be a bit of a traveller surname, you know, English Romany traveller, a uh, first name, sorry. Um, and uh, his his mother's a woman called Jean uh, Belfort. She's, she's dead now. And so Levi uh, really is well known no, notoriously known for for three murders um he's unique in the sort of um british justice system is he's the only serving prisoner that is actually doing two whole life tariffs so he has to serve his whole life in prison not wow. just once but twice um so he's serving for the murder of millie dowler marsha mcdonald emily de lagrange and the attempted murder of a lady called Kate Sheedy. However, that's not the full extent of, of, of his vile offending. And uh, we're going to cover that. So like most things, you know, we, we need to just go through a bit of a chronology of this guy um, and see, you know, who he is and where he's from. Because if you don't know how someone lives, you never know how they die. And it's the same when that's for a victim. And it's the same when you deal with a suspect. We need to know these people inside and out. And the, the childhood is where all the all the uh, clues are always in the childhood. Okay. So right. he's uh, uh, as offenders go on on the book when it comes to the police national computer, the PNC. This guy isn't a prolific offender. However, I would say, and this was just someone surmising with my previous experience. This guy will have an unbelievable amount of intelligence reports attached to him. Um, I, I think, and that intelligence is still flooding in. You know, so um, his crimes include burglary, assault, theft, abduction, attempted murder, um, and murder times three. Right. So he's uh, uh, he's from a. Uh, I think. I think it's. Um, about four kids in his family. I'm not too sure. His father dies when he's ten years old. Okay. Right, and um, we're going we're going to sort of uh look a little bit at his background. Now he's got a very, very, very bizarre background. This guy. And um, so if you just just bear with me a minute, because of course. Um, are we going to be? Is this another uh, sort of case where the abuse starts at home when he was a child? And it just echoes from there. Well, 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 well this, this is a bit. This is a bit more more interesting because okay. um, with, with this guy, um, his father dies young, so there's there's nothing really on record saying that, that he, he's a survivor of of a sort of childhood sexual abuse or, or, or violence or anything like that. But that there is, and and you sort of got to read between the lines on this one because he he had a very very as his ex-partner said a strange relationship with his mother right now his his mother 
uh, Jean, um, Steve uh, used to, he was still sleeping with her up until he was 30 years old. So he shared a bed with her, but, but throughout his childhood and his teenage years until he left home. Yeah, that's... Okay, the age he left home, I don't know. Uh, but when he used to go and visit his mother, even in his 30s, he would sleep in the same bed as his mother. Uh, he also would still wipe his bum, his bottom, his ass after he'd gone for a, for a poo, shit, whatever we want to term it. She w- would wipe his own ass, which is, unless there's a medical reason for doing so, that is very, very bizarre, weird, sick, controlling, abusive behaviour. Um, the inference I'm going to draw here that there there was a relationship this is my opinion all right it's never come out anywhere but i would say based on the information i've got and my previous experience i would say that it's pretty much certain that this guy was involved in a relationship with his mother which uh it, it, it's even termed you know it's got a term to it and it's it's called the the oedipus uh syndrome or uh, the Oedipus complex. Okay, now, okay. you know that that's um, a very bizarre thing, and that that comes back to sort of the, the Greek um, historical stuff. And there, there was a guy called Jocasta, and Jocasta was sleeping with his mother, uh, and um, or was it no, no? Jocasta was a mother. Sorry, Jocasta was a mother, and Oedipus was a son. So Oedipus was was sleeping. Uh, with his mother Jocasta. Okay, now what what is really bizarre with this is that uh, in America a study was done, and and forty five percent of mothers, when polled uh, on this wrong term terminology, there actually when, when, when questioned on this, admitted to allowing their children up from the boys from between the ages of eight to twelve to sleep in the same bed with them. Which I find an incredibly unhealthy thing to do. Um, are we talking? Are we talking like every night and regularly? No, no. This this would be. It would occur on occasions. Okay. All right. Um, now, a lot of studies been done into this, and and that what 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 comes out of it that that a mother that um, regularly sleeps with her son uh, has got psychological issues, and and it tends to be like a replacement thing for the father. And and also, it would indicate that that mother has come from sexual abuse herself. Um, it, there, there is inference of, of incestuous sexual desire for the son. Uh, and, it's, and, and it's really bizarre. And, and what, what, what you've got to look at is that um, it, it's, it's a thing called uh, enmeshment. And it's the use of a child to feed their narcissism. So, so the woman would use the child. Um, to further their narcissistic behaviour and, and to put a mutual dependency on the son onto them. Um, and she sees this child as an extension of themselves. And she, so she's not really interested in the child per se. So it's not like an over-nurturing thing. It's a narcissistic thing. Okay. Uh, and, and, I... and you tend to find that the that, that, that women that do this, they're, they're very self-centred. Okay. They're emotionally, they're loose cannons. They okay. stick control. Um, and they lack boundaries. Now, now this is interesting because there, there is no boundaries here. 
that this woman has created a very unbounded environment for her son. Okay. Uh, so any criticism that that comes her son's way, she she will react to it in a very obtuse and just, uh, and volatile way. Just, and just one second, just to sort of get ahead of what I'm sure is going to be an outroar in the comment section, right? I don't really think we're referring to say a single mum who puts on a movie and sits and has a pizza and her and her son pass out watching a movie. We're not, we're just, we're, we're no. sort of, we're not talking about what that sort of scenario, just in case anyone was uh, getting their back up a little bit there. We're talking about a, a specific routine of doing yeah. this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we need to make this clear. So, so this is someone who's got an incestuous liking for her son and, and, and really uses a son as it would a partner or a husband or whatever in the bedroom sense. Yeah, and, and okay. you know, we're, we're talking about, especially when, you know, this guy, young lads are very, very hormonal from the ages of 12, really through to their 30s. You know, there's a lot of testosterone in that and that, that usually results in, in them masturbating. And especially in the younger teens, you know, and, and any grown man will be a testament to that many, many times a day. Um, so, so you're thinking how, how weird and twisted this is. And I'm not on about, you know, the, the parent or occasionally if a child's sick yeah. and, and they just show in love. No, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, there's no yeah. way. Just, uh, you just, know, to, just to clear that let, up for let, everybody. Yeah, just to clear let's that not up. be sublime about this. This isn't what, what I'm on about. Although what I'm saying is that 45% of women are, when questioned on this in America, said, oh, yeah, I do let my son from 8 to 12 sleep occasionally in my bed. Um, so, so that sort of does go on on what, what might almost be called a normal level. Um, I find that a bit alarming myself, uh, but that, that does go on. But what we're talking about here is a woman who's allowing her son to constantly sit. She's wiping his ass when he goes to the toilet. So it's not allowing the son to do it. She's doing it for him. She's allowing him to sleep in her bed, and it continues into his thirties. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. That 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 is very very sick. And then what we then went on to discuss is this Oedipus uh, Jocasta syndrome, you know, which, which has been recorded far back as the ancient Greeks, in which a mother has has an incestuous relationship with her son, which is what I'm inferring is going on here. Okay. And the sort of person that does that is a very manipulative individual. Um, and in doing this to a child, so the person who does it, you know, is, is displaying a lot of self-centeredness, you know, emotionally, they're loose cannons, they're, they're control-seeking, there's a harshness about them, and there's a huge lacking in boundaries, which for a child to, to, to nurture and to grow as, as a decent, considerate human being, there must be boundaries. And that's our job as an adult. We're not there to learn of children, right? They're there to learn of us, okay? That's why one of the things I've been saying all, all throughout these things is that how much of this starts, starts in childhood. We saw it with, uh, with Mary Bell, you know, or how she ended up because her mother was a prostitute and, and you know, very awful upbringing. We saw it with the chaos within the Borgia boys, and, and we saw the incestuous stuff going on with Fred West. You know, the same pattern is emerging and emerging. And when you smother a child like this and, and you, you uh, trespass into their own sovereignty, 
in in this incestuous sexual way, you know, that's gonna gonna immediately stunt psychological growth. And this is something we have been talking about throughout that that emotional clock stops, which is what the stunting of psychological growth is. So okay. Levi Belfield is straight away um, having his emotional psychological uh, growth stunted very very early on now how early on when we don't know but i would say by his offending which we're going to go through this was very very early on because this is a very very sadistic cruel and selfish individual he would have lacked a huge amount of self-confidence a lot of anxiety in this guy there would without a doubt have been depression in here so I would say that Levi Belfield would have suffered suicidal tendencies and depression. Um, and, and all of this will, will, will be uh, uh, spurred on by the mother's behaviour, which, which, again, is, is very insecure, you know, uh, manipulative, narcissistic. And with, with his father's death at the age of 10, that may or may not have been a catalyst. We don't know. There's nothing recorded. But information that has come out, public domain-wise, because there's been a lengthy, two lengthy trials into this guy, uh, and this was from ex-partners that he had a very, very unhealthy relationship with his mother. Yeah. Now, what is really interesting when we're going to get onto the murders in a minute? Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus was that um in in recent times right so i'm just gonna make a reference to something. So in the recent times, his mother gets arrested, right? So uh, just before her death, she, she's, she's arrested because um, her name is Jean. And what she's done is she's uh, harassed one of his ex-partners. So Levi Belfield goes on to have 11 children by five different women. So again, you know, what, what on earth is going on there? That's just absolute madness, you know? Um, but he, she goes, the mother, I think she must have been 70 at the time, she starts harassing, uh, post his arrest, the, um, in, 20, in 2012, she start, you know, she's um, uh, been summoned to Staines Magistrates Court, she's 75 years old, right, for harassment against the ex. So she's not only harassing his ex-partner, but also her children, which would be this woman's grandchildren, because... She's given evidence, uh, gave evidence against her son. So this shows what an embittered, vexated old yeah. vixen woman is. Absolutely. You know, even, I mean, she's dead now. She died five years later. She died at the age of 80 with lung cancer. And the bizarre thing is, 
that when she died, he started to open up. So it shows what control this woman's had. So my argument here is, how much did she know about his offending? And, and I would say a lot. Yeah. So I think we can safely say, or I can safely say, with a strong inference here, that Levi Belfield is definitely, whether or not he was born bad, don't know, but he was definitely made bad by this very, very twisted, narcissistic, perverted mother of his. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to go and look at uh, what was called his, his um, disposal history. Um, now, so he he first gets arrested in 1981. She's about 13 years old for an offence of burglary, which um, I I would say um, for a first offence is quite a serious offence burglary. Um, so he's sort of been arrested at 13 for for quite a big offence. Two years later, um, no, not two years later. Sorry, uh, nine years later. He's arrested for assault on police, so he's attacked a police officer. He then goes on uh, for the next 12, um, 12 years, and he clocks up nine more convictions uh, for theft, assaults, and all sorts of driving offences. And he, he does little stints in and out of, of, of the old um, police station, uh, sorry, the prisons and what have you. But something in his past um, comes to light. So at the age of 14, he is caught, I don't know who by, but he's caught. And this then leaks out into, you know, the local community and to his school. Okay. He, he is caught at the age, but bear in mind, when you see this guy, he's very steroided up. He's a monstrously big lad, which a lot of it's artificial, you know, combined with a lot of heavy, heavy weight training. Um, but as a kid, he was very puny. And he was bullied again, which would add to the insecurities and course, everything else. Yeah, of course. So maybe a need, you know, to go running back to mother's bosom once again. Um, and I don't think he's that successful with the girls. He's not very well liked at school, and he is getting bullied. He's caught at the age of fourteen uh, for having sex with a rabbit. And once he, he's had sex with this rabbit, now how that works, I don't know. Physically. You know, how how does that even work? I'm not sure what he did to this rabbit. I mean, he would have ripped the rabbit's insides out in doing so. And afterwards, he kills a rabbit by breaking its neck. Now, someone witnesses this. And what happens then is he is tormented at school and called Bugsy. So bear in mind, which is really ironic, that his, he could probably have written that off because his name used to be Rabbit. Levi Rabbit, uh, but that's not the reason they're tormenting him. They're tormenting him because he's a, a zoophilic. He's got a sexual interest in, in, in animals and bestiality. And not only that, he's actually sort of tortured the rabbit and then killed it afterwards. So this is an incredibly twisted individual. And uh, There was a study done um, and it was the study of adolescence with bestial behavior. And what come out of that is that adolescents who have sex with animals, they lack empathy. It gives them excitement in doing it. They cannot delay their gratification. So once they want gratification, they've got to have it. It's a very impulsive behavior. Um, 
they they've got um poor self-discipline and there's every chance that they're a victim of childhood abuse themselves yeah it's, it's certainly well, not normal childhood behavior yeah yeah and it's um very very bizarre however we, we, there's something interesting when, when you look at, at bestiality um do you know it is legal in brazil mexico thailand finland hungary and romania yeah it's, it's, it's still it's, it's legal bizarre. in these countries which is um now a lot of that is put down to um uh, farm workers right so they've got no other sexual outlet uh, but because they're in rural, isolated things, and a report did come out that eight percent of men um, in that environment have have tried bestiality. Um, however, this guy is not doing it because you know he's got his mum to play with, isn't he? So he's not doing it because he he's got no sort of um, sexual outlet. Um, this is a, a very inadequate individual who's finding it difficult to make relationships with, with people of his own sort of peer group yeah. and uh, there's a sexual preference he's chosen to do it and not only do it, do it in a torturous, murderous way uh, very very, very strange twisted, so this guy has got a lot going on emotionally and, and mentally and psychologically, so this guy is very, very broken at a very very early age um, now he goes on to have an ingrained hatred of um, blonde women, young blonde women, right? And also, he, he's got a perverse sexual preference for schoolgirls, which he sort of continues with him throughout his adult life. Whether he's still got that or not, I don't know. But, um, but you know, he's in prison now. He's never getting out. So chance of him getting a schoolgirl at uh, zero. But when he, when he was at his prime, you know, th this guy, I would say, uh, is a pedophile. I would say that. Um, okay. And, and you know, I'm going to make that uh, bold inference there. This is my judgment. Um, now, one thing uh, that I'm going to disclose now is that this guy had connections with with uh, grooming gangs, teenage girl grooming gangs that were operating in the West London, um, West Drayton, Ryslip parts of parts of the capital uh, i know that uh, for a fact um because i was investigating stuff and and his name did crop up as being involved um and so ne not to my knowledge did he ever get convicted of it okay um but uh on on an intelligence front that you know this this guy was connected to to, to a grooming gang that was operating um <clears throat> in the area and i actually uh, interviewed one of the witnesses for it um uh, who named a guy that was connected to, to belfield and, and belfield woods and uh, later uh, two years ago i actually interviewed uh, a homeless person on the street uh, i managed to track down who was actually a victim of levi belfield and, and did tell me stuff about him when she was a young girl uh, and oh and this other guy that we knew about anyway so you know, this guy was a very, very active man uh, in that sort of criminality. You know, he he went on uh, in his sort of teenage years um, to, to bulk himself out artificially with steroids and then really hit the weights and he'd become this monstrous size of a man. Um, he 
got got work as as a nightclub doorman. He loved violence. He he would get turned on by uh, videos of of violence and um, um, uh, what snuff films. Uh, you know, uh, people getting killed, shot, animals being tortured, things like that. Okay. He really took an interest in them. Uh, he loved the fighting from from the door staff. He was a person that had his reputation not to be messed with. But you know, in my opinion, uh, th- th- you know, this guy was just a bully. Um, he went on, like I said, to father eleven children by five different women. He was he was a, a serial woman beater. You know, very cowardly behaviour. So, so this is a man that, that would beat and control um, all his, all his partners, which is something that that we see a lot. You know, uh, domestic violence and and men that commit. I stick with men because there are women that that commit domestic violence, uh, but we're not in the argument today. So we stick with the men. You know, I've dealt with many many cases in the police, and and um, those that that are manipulators uh, and bullies of women they they all tend to come from the same ilk broken uh, childhood backgrounds emotionally very very stunted um a need to control uh paranoia over their partner what their partners are doing which is only a reflection of what they want to do okay. so if they're accusing their partners of of cheating and having sex with men it's what they're doing and then need to look through their phones and, and, and then beating them. Um, so these are very cruel, selfish, callous people because they're broken children. And their emotional clock is that of a very, very young person, which would indicate that they were hurt. And again, this is no sympathy for these people because I think they're vile. Uh, but it's very, very common, domestic violence, very, very common. And again, with, with domestic violence perpetrators, they will always... Uh, be portrayed by the outside world and their jobs being polite, punctual, helpful. But, you know, again, that is just a veneer. Once you, you yeah. put that away, you've got very callous, horrible, Scary. twisted people that, 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 that damage not only their wives' lives, but, but that, you know, that damage their children's lives. Um, so let, let's not in any way um, belittle... Um, domestic violence and the survivors yeah, because no, it, it really is totally and utterly destructive and it's um and it does result in in the majority of murders in this country you know unfortunately so this guy w- was that so he was he was beating uh vulnerable uh intimidated people with his partners of which he had many he was a serial adulterer he had a propensity for schoolgirls. he would always make comments lured sexually suggestive comments uh, towards schoolgirls. He would constantly try it on with young girls and, and would boast of his sexual conquest with young girls at the nightclubs he worked in. Um, and, and, you know, there'll be people hanging around with him thinking he's a bit of a player, a bit of a lad, but he wasn't. He was a vile man and he had a, a you know, a scam in which he was a rogue wheel clamper. So back in the, the 90s when wheel clamping was a grey area, he was going around clamping and demanding with menace and violence four hundred pounds if um if the people that have um been clamped didn't pay off pay up uh you know so it's a, a horrible 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 individual indeed um and then of course I'm adding into the mix the information now that this guy was involved with, with the grooming gangs so um to, to what degree I don't know I couldn't comment but. He was he was involved with, with active um, 
Carl Grimm as he was. Um, so uh, now, now we're going to go on now about his victims. So he's okay. he, he's been uh, convicted of uh, three murders and an attempt murder of, of young girls, all of the same ilk. Um, the ages vary from from their early teens. The youngest, I think, we've got recorded. Here at the, no, no, it goes yeah, early teens through to the through to the twenties. Uh, but again, all similar, blonde, um, young, and he bludgeons them to death. So his thing is to is to smash them on the head with a hammer. So uh, his first victim we're going to deal with now is Amanda Dowler, aka Millie Dowler. Okay. She went, she went missing on the 21st of March 2002. Wharton on Thames, a very affluent uh, area just outside of southwest London uh, in Surrey. And, and this is going to be important, the Surrey connection, and I'll go on to that shortly. Um, she goes missing. Her body is found six months later in Hampshire, in a wooded area in Hampshire, and it's badly decomposed. All right, and it's it sort of become a big story in the Millie Dowler. Uh, the second one, we've got a girl called Rachel Cowles. And uh, literally the day before, there was an attempted kidnapping on her. She managed to get away uh, in the, near enough the same area. So he's not got older Rachel. So I think Millie was probably, you know, his victim. He was out for a victim and that was it. He was very, very predatory, this guy, and, and incredibly opportunistic. He would go out on the hunt. And uh, if someone his way would come, he would go for them. Uh, so um, that's 2002. The third one now, we've got Marsha McDonald, 19-year-old girl. So Millie was 13. I don't know how old Rachel was. Marsha is uh, a, a young a blonde girl, 19 years old. Uh, she is murdered with a, with a hit, a blow, blunt instrument blow to the head on the 4th of the 2nd, 2003. And uh, she is found outside a house. The neighbours hear a noise, a thud, go out and they find her with a red smashed in with a hammer. And what, what he's done is he, he's bashed her with a, just with a hammer, with a blunt end straight on the back of the head. Yeah. Um, there's a girl called Kate Sheedy, 18 years old. She's walking home at night and he runs her over. And then as she's trying to get up, he reverses over her. So twice she gets hit. Where do we hear this? We heard this with Fred West, with the amount of, of road, serious road traffic accidents involving serious personal injury and death involving that guy. So, so we see it, we're seeing this as a, yeah, another way of murdering people. And sort of back then, things have evolved, but back then, you know, you can murder someone, you know, and you're looking at life, you run them over, you're looking at two years. So, there's a massive disparity there. So he's, that's what he's done there. He's uh, run her over, then reversed over, but she survives. Um, on the 19th of the 8th, 2004, 22-year-old Amélie de Lagrange, uh, a, a French um, language student in the Twickenham area. Uh, again, she's walking home and she is attacked and her head smashed open and her, and her body was left. Uh, in Twickenham, the common there in Twickenham. And the strange thing here occurs was that the police set up an incident room on the common in Twickenham uh, to, to say, you know, try and capture as many sort of fresh witnesses as they can. And they were inundated in this middle-class, white, leafy, 
stockbroker belt suburb of London, they were inundated with women coming forward to say that their husbands were beating them up. Wow. They were absolutely inundated with domestic violence. And it was a it was something that they weren't prepared for. Yeah. And uh, again, it was an opportunity these women had to say, look, and that because women then thought, well, that could have been my husband because he just hates women. Yeah. So very strange that potentially, and we saw this with the, the Wayne Cousins, the ex-police officer who, who, who killed the um, the girl on, on Clapham Common, you know, and... Uh, from from, uh, from your experience, when, when you've got individuals like this that choose to use a hammer and smash people's heads in, like, what does that tell you? Is there anything you can learn from the Yeah, yeah, yeah. For that, that I mean, that, that is a brutal way of, of putting someone in line to say, I'm in control. I'm going to smash you because I'm in control. That it's an absolute hatred for that individual, and, and it's just a no-nonsense approach. And it's totally and utterly domineering. I mean, that, that finishes the argument full stop. Bash. You are no more. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, it, he's in no way tormenting them or, or and that he is out there just to literally out of pure hatred pay their skulls in. Yeah. And this, and again, yeah. <laughs> there's a difference, obviously, between bashing someone's head in and stabbing them and abducting someone and torturing them. Because when we looked at the West, um, you know, she, she would stamp on people's heads to kill them. So many of these uh, abductor, torturer killers have this brutality of smashing heads open. And this case is, is, is the same. Fred West would run people over and kill them. Yeah. Uh, very similar to this guy. And again, Fred West, you know, was at inference that he was having sex with his own mum. Yeah. You know, and things like that. So we got very, whereas Rose West, she was in for hurting them and torturing them, you know, sexual torture. And again, we found bodies uh, with, with that case that were bound up with breathing tubes put out there. It was a very sadistic, evil way of killing. Yeah. And this, um, this is brutality, but it's quick and it's over. It's a different kind of. Yeah, of course. Right? It, it's, it, it's, it's like, Pest control for him, you know. Wow, uh, that's, that's a really yeah, that's a really good way of putting it over yeah. because. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Yeah, it was, it's extermination over indulgence yeah. compared to the West. Yeah, exactly. It's hatred. It's pure hatred that this guy is having. Uh, you know, on top of that, he's got this liking for young schoolgirls as well. Um, you know, and then what we're going on, the baggage that this guy's carrying around is his first sexual encounter, you know, 
we're, we're inferring is with his mother, um, who comes across as being a vile individual anyway, you know, a, a disgraceful woman, and, um, you know, and, be and he's mocked and belittled and bullied uh, and by a lot of girls. Um, and, and maybe these, the ones that hurt him the most, were these young pretty girls, and all he's doing it's payback time. He, he's it, it's it's a very bizarre thing. Yeah, that when we used to raid brothels, okay, uh, in, in the affluent areas of London, like Mayfair and Park Lane, there would be brothels, and there would be, you know, the the, the city gents visiting these, and they tended to be places where uh, they would go to be tortured and spanked, so they would like to be sort of uh, strapped down and whipped across the bare buttocks uh we walked in one day and uh this woman was caning this like city gent guy as it were and he's very well spoken and you know he, he was very panicky because he thought he was in trouble and a very plummy voice and uh you know it turns out that what these people do is they, they've come from these very repressed disciplined old etonian type backgrounds where they were whipped and beaten at school and by their fathers and things like that. And what they do is they recreate the situation, but this time they are in control. So there's a need to bring that trauma back into their life, but this time be in control. But this time there is a masochistic sexual element to it. And and it may well have massively turned this guy on, but I would have thought he would have been... This guy is harboring a lot of severe self-loathing as well because um, he's just full of hate. You know, and these are young girls, you know, they're not going to cause him any trouble. Not now, but back then they caused him a lot of trouble because he was called Bugsy, not because of his name, Rabbit, but because he had sex with a rabbit and then killed it, wrung its neck, and he was caught doing it. You know, I mean, you, you're, if you're at school and someone says that, my word, you know, it was, um, oh, yeah, you that's... know, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, uh, Going to to a vernacular sort of simile to that, there was um, a police station I worked in the West End of London, and there was a girl there who had gone out with one of the guys, and on the first night she did animal sex with him, and for the rest of her service, she was just known as or whatever you know the name that was her name um, for the rest of her service, and no matter what she did, that was it because and she was tormented, you know, it really affected her. And she said to me one day, you know, I could take a bullet for the Queen and that wouldn't matter, but because I did that and everyone found out, that's all I'm known for. And it would be very similar to this guy. He would just be known for that and it, it would build an absolute hatred in him. So we're up to five serious, serious, you know, offences, most of them murder or, or murderous intent. Number six, you know, he, uh, a girl called Anna Marie Rennie. Uh, again, my timeline jumps a little bit, but we're, we're going now to the 14th to the 10th, 2001, um, in which um, he, he tries to abduct this woman. She's 17 years old. Um, at the same time, he tries to, to murder, abduct and murder, by smashing on the head with a hammer um, an Albanian migrant worker woman called Irma Dragoshi. And, and both these cases... Anna Marie and Irma ended up in, in a hung jury. Uh, they couldn't decide, so we got away with them once. Wow. Um, what was, was, did you say it was their, their hair color that tied them all together? 
yeah, he, he tended to to want to murder blonde young blonde girls, pretty young blonde girls. Um, there there was another murder, um, which they're linking to him. You know, he he's not stood trial for this one yet, but uh, uh, a young girl, fourteen years old, called Patricia Joyce, um, and and she was found murdered on the sixteenth of the sixth, nineteen eighty, in Feltham. She was strangled, right? But bizarrely enough. She went to school with Belfield, and then, bang, she's dead. Right? So, could this have been one of the girls that tormented him? Yeah, possibly. You know, um, he's he's sort of admitted to the murder of Lynn and Megan Russell on the sixth of six, nineteen ninety six. This is down in Kent. There's a guy called Michael Stone who's um, convicted of it, and I think it's a strange case. But both. Uh, Megan and Lynn. Uh, Lynn, uh, Megan was, I think, about six years old, and the mother. They were out walking with with the other sister, and they were all bludgeoned with a hammer. And and Levi's actually admitted to this, Jeez, saying yeah. it was him. Wow, he did it. He did it. Um, it's not gone anywhere because they're disputing the validity of his claims, saying that he couldn't have got from there back to to the alibi he had and the alibi someone else has given him in West London. In, in within the time scale, but the MO is very, very bang on. Um, there's uh, uh, a lady called Elizabeth Chow, a 19 year old student. Um, she disappeared in Ealing in uh, you know, 1999. You know, it looks like he could be involved in that. Um, the third, uh, sorry, the third of the first 2000. Um, another student, Lola Shenkoya, 27, went missing from the same area. Uh, Sarah Spurrell, 23-year-old, um, she was beaten, battered with a hammer in Hastings in January 2004. Again, different county, but it, it still does, doesn't matter, you know. I mean, uh, Millie Dowler's body was found in Hampshire. He would have taken the body to Hampshire because he would have known that area. So what you'll find is when they dump the bodies... It's an area they're comfortable with. And we, we covered this in Sydney Cook's case. Yeah, well, yeah. There will be something familiar about that, which gives them the security for them to carry on, dig the body and put it in there. They know that area. Um, and, um, it, it, you know, I, I have said this. I said this. It may have been on Sean's show or on someone else's, but I genuinely believe that um, that the... Uh, Levi Belfield is responsible for many, 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 many more um, murders. Um, I think it will come out that, officially come out that he's involved in, in within the grooming gangs of girls in that area. Um, I think he's heavily involved in, in, in vulnerable girls uh, from care homes around there. Um, I reckon that will come out. That's my prediction, my, my crime yeah, prediction. Sounds like um, a plausible it, prediction for me, John. Yeah, you know, th this is someone that he, he, he gets a thrill from it. He's um very, very bizarre uh, individual indeed. And, and, you know, and when he's interviewed, he comes across as being softly spoken and helpful. And everyone who has dealings with him say, you know, to meet with initially, and he, he displays very narcissistic. Uh, sort of low-level Maslow sort of style behaviour where he's 
he, he is ingratiating, you know, and everything else. But as you get to know him, his needs are very base level. And um, it causes a lot of trouble where he lives. There's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of stealing going on. Uh, there's a lot of domestic violence. His whole world is one of violence. Uh, yet he lives under this controlling cloak that his mother wields over him for, for the rest of her life. Um, and, and it takes a long time for this guy to, to come to term, to come to, uh, to come to book. And he's, um, he gets away with things because he keeps using different cars. Each time he offends, he gets a car, then he scraps it. Um, the, the police screw up massively on the, um, CCTV. There seems to be a huge lack of continuity. And, and again, um, when he's convicted of, of, um, uh, Marshall McDonald and Emily de Lagrange um, and the attempt to murder Kate Sheehy, they, they don't tie it in with um, with Millie Dowler. It, it, it takes a few more years before he's tied in with Millie Dowler. And that's because, and it's something we see all the time, that police forces just don't talk to each other. And it's as simple as that. The Met police always see themselves as elite Um Surrey don't like the Met because the Met, for that reason, think themselves as elite. And they just don't talk to each other. And it, it's something that I've experienced massively when I was putting together a, a National Register of Transient Paedophiles. Some forces were very good. I found Kent a very good force to deal with. I found Hampshire an appalling force to deal with. Uh, Surrey, I couldn't really comment on them. Uh, Wales was very difficult as well, South Wales. You know, so it, it varied. Uh, where they went and they found this same problem in Belgium when they was um, trying to catch uh, Mark de Troe. And um, uh, Belgium is, is divided by the North, uh, sort of the Flemish-speaking North and the French-speaking South. And it's virtually a bit like um, Canada. It's two different countries divided by language barriers and, and, and snobbery and everything else. And uh, many, many um, victims were lost because the force, you know, the force was divided and they just wouldn't talk. So, you know, if you take a country like Belgium and then, you know, you've got its neighbours. So if, if there's division within the country, you imagine what it's like when you, you go international. You might as well not bother. Um, so, I mean, whether he's committed offences abroad, who knows? But uh, th this guy is, is just totally and utterly unstoppable. And I think that with the right, um, I don't know, the right profiler who, who sort of uh, gets in with him, I think that um, th this guy will probably probably admit to, to a lot more. Yeah. And I think there are a lot more. And like we, we've said many times with this, you know, you, you've got to look. Uh, the missing children. Um, the problem with the police is they always go for the big case, the big case. If they they went for, you know, the smaller ones, the shuttle shades of grey, as it were, that's where you're going to really put the meat on the bones. But unfortunately, they go for the glory all the time. It's not changed at all. And um, it would have been these um, minor-level sexual assaults, attempted murders, um, the, the, the comments he's given and all that you know, that's where you're going to find the majority of your victims. And, and, and with his friends as well, um, these guys who hung around with him, they would know something. You know, why are they not coming forward and speaking out? Um, 
it's really bizarre where you find your bravery and it's not in these big macho guys i don't think it's uh that's not what i've seen you know bravery comes in in, in some of the the most gentlest little shells you can imagine you know yeah and you know and i i had one case and uh one girl and she was 17 and she must be the bravest person on the planet i've never seen someone so brave as her and you know this was a a, a severe child um multiple child abuse file case and uh this guy was a well-known drug dealer and all his friends were fighting to this guy and yet this girl she wasn't fighting one bit you know and it was very bizarre so that's levi belfield for you this guy um he's serving two life terraces not going anywhere i would have thought that the police are in regular contact with him um they don't look like they're getting anywhere with this guy because nothing's really come out um okay uh in the press as of lately um but I just say, watch this space. I think this guy might at one point have a tipping point. He's still quite young. Uh, when you watch the interviews, he's, he's very interesting because they go for an open stance interview uh, procedure in which they remove all physical barriers. So you will have uh, quite an adversarial interview stance where you've got the interviewing officer in direct eye contact and physically opposite Levi and the tables have been removed, so the solicitor relies on on his lap and his uh, notebook, and and Levi has got nothing. And when he finds things uncomfortable, he starts yawning, he starts chewing his thumb, um, he crosses his arms, he starts forming barriers with his arms, distracting it with yawns, and then he actually physically turns his chair away and, and faces the wall. And that's odd. It very odd, and if that was me, I would have gone on about his relationship with his mother. Um, and the uh, the person I, I make reference to a lot is is this lady Corinne Hutzkebart, and she always starts off with any child murderer establishing the relationship with the mother. The age they are divested from their mother if they're put in care, because the younger, the more the damage. Uh, but if not, what was their relationship with the mother like? The father, yeah, to a degree, but the mother mainly, that is a very important thing. And she said that's where you will start to crack people when you find out about the relationship with their mother. And without a doubt him, this would have been a massive thing that they could have, you know, they, they were told this by by the partners. Yeah. That this guy's got an unhealthy, and, and from the interviews I watched, they, they don't go down that route. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's poor training. I'm not sure. Uh, they could have probably done with um, some input from profilers on there. I, I know the senior investigating officer. He's a good guy, you know, uh, in the case. He's a very good guy. I've had a few dealings with him, um, and I've had a few dealings with him in recent years. But the the interview seemed to be very, very lacking, and uh, they, they, could have, they could have definitely broke this guy. They really could have done, but... Um, a phenomenal amount of death around this fella and I think you've just got to follow his uh, timeline where he's lived and um, have like a, a remit about 20 miles around him and, and see who's gone missing and who's been bludgeoned with a hammer and, and who's been killed and uh, it, it's not difficult to work out a pattern with this guy there's quite glaring patterns with him yeah join the dots sort of thing it's like right so when we when we look um, at at the individuals that we've had so far, and 
and and again, we're not just tying it down to uh, any specific because we've got different ages and we've got different genders. So we've we've got the young girls, we got we got the the children, we got the boys, and we got the adults as well. And and the the one parallel we can draw from every single one is they come from very very disturbed backgrounds. Every single one has come from a disturbed background. There has been violence, sex abuse has been a key player in a lot of it as well, um, or the exposure to, to sexual abuse and um, dysfunctionality. And it, it seems to be that it's um, it's not really been picked up on. It's been overlooked. Excuses have been made for these people. And all that's done is, is enhance their cockiness. Um, and allowed them to become more and more confident in their offending. Yeah, I I agree that uh, even even when we start looking at uh, you spoke about this a little bit too the sentencing of some of these individuals compared to other individuals who've done other crimes there seems to be a bigger system at play here when individuals don't get seriously harsh sentencing and the one thing that stands out for me between this one and a lot of other cases is i feel like he got the book thrown at him in the way you'd expect it to happen and in the cases where we look at potential gatherers of sacrifices shall we say they either get sentences that are shocking or they end up like what happened to the guy on the island um yeah yeah of course yeah yeah that's right yeah and it well well, well this is the, the other thing that, that i want to make uh an inference to and this will come out more with brian fields um and, and maybe maybe even with belfield here you, you know definitely with fred and rose west um with sydney cook without a doubt brian fields yes and 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 maybe this guy Belfield, because of what he was involved in in respect to the grooming, I think sometimes that they're 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 dancing to a bigger fiddle here. That these people are connected, and they are procuring their victims um, for sex parties and and for ritualistic um, affairs. And and I think that that is a secret of their success. I definitely think that that Sydney Cook. Um, is responsible for for dozens, if not scores, of, of young uh, kids, mainly from the care homes, going missing. Um, I, I don't think they were all for his sexual gratification. I think maybe he, he did have that, but I think that he had a market. He was a procurer. I, I think definitely Fred West was a procurer of children. Um, definitely um, Rose West, and and they ingratiate themselves at lower level with police officers and the need to get establishment people involved in a dirty conspiracy. Of course. And and it all, you know, smacks up. We, we, we drew parallels between the island individual and Fred West. Quite striking parallels, but both between their offending and between their demise. Um, a cook, again, these ridiculously low sentences and the reluctance of the Crown Prosecution system yeah. to, to, to protect society from, from his wrongdoing which allowed him to go out and commit more offences when he should have been serving life tariffs. Yeah. The guy's a dangerous, dangerous child murderer, a, a, a multiple child murderer. You know, um, putting, saying child murderer is actually putting it lightly. 
um, the, the quotes from some of the case notes on this that what him and his gang done were, you know, just so beyond horrific when listen if you've not seen that episode i'll put a link down in the in the in the description and i honestly feel like cook is someone we need to revisit and deep dive into a little more well, because well, well, well we, we can do that and, yeah. and we and i'm definitely going to be bringing him up when we when we look next week into brian fields okay and brian fields is someone not many people have heard of okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, and he only really come into my radar because I I was looking at a cold case of two missing boys and uh, ping, he crops up and then you look at the weirdness around this guy and it's very similar to Cook and, and there is a connection between him and, and the Dirty Dozen. Um, yeah. And again, the same thing, wherever this guy goes, children go missing and there's deaths and there's cover-ups and there's the most bizarrest uh, inadequacy in the investigation. It's just strikingly wrong. You know, and um, I, I think Belfield um, was was involved in, in procuring children. I genuinely, genuinely um, am making that bold assumption. And it is an assumption. It's not a, a, a fact of law. It's my assumption based on my experience and, and the information that I've gathered, gleaned, read about and everything else, um, that, that this guy w- w- was involved in, in in young kids within the care system being groomed out for sexual purposes. And if that is the case, that brings him then into the same uh, remit and, and, and client base as as West, as um, Mark Dutro, um and the guy on the island. It, it, and it just... For me, it's kind of showcases two different levels of procurement. You've got homeless kids that are never ever going to walk out of the the building they were taken into, and then care of for kids who are abused and sent back the majority of the time, I would think, but not all the time. And there's patterns here. There is areas that contain more than one individual over over time, and it's painting a very very dark picture well, of this well, world. Well, well, there's a reason for that, okay, and it, and it's easy to explain. That it's a bit like a dog with a trick. You know, um, you, 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 you get um, uh, the shepherds would do it. They'd have one sheep that would be used to walk the route in and out of the slaughterhouse and the other sheep would follow it. And of course, that sheep would be kept because it, it had this little trick and it would convince the others to follow it. And they do the same with children, uh, yeah, yeah. both in, in the sexual procurement and also in the ritualistic front. In that if a child comes from from a, a generational child abuse uh, ritualistic environment, it has been brought up um, to, to understand uh, how to perform sex, how to act in that manner, um, which, which could take a long time and, and, and a lot of... Um... Right, I'm going to go into the vernacular now because I've spoken to, I would say, 
probably just as many um, domestic abuse victims as anyone in this country. I, I might even be an authority on it. I don't know. But I have spoken to many, many. I reckon I rival okay. any police department. Okay. Um, and, you know, really intimate details of what's gone on. And they will say the same thing that, you know, the grandmother would, would be used and they would slowly prepare them for, for ritualistic sex, for, for the sex orgies and things like that. But these kids would be used time and time again because that would be their, um, their MO. Uh, whereas a kid abducted is there for, for, to be brutalised and, and, and basically to death or, or ritually killed. And um, we saw that with, with Cook, with Jason Swift, and, and I've heard many testimonies of, of um, witnesses, child victims who said, no, this, this kid was abducted and was murdered and was brought in to be murdered for the sacrifice because that's what, what was re required. Um, so, yeah, you can, without a doubt, divide them in into categories. And also children also use like this sheep to, to get other children on board. So it will lure the other kids into a full sense of security. Yeah. Oh, there's another kid here, it's all right. And they could then get talking to other kids and, and, and come back um, to their fixes and tell them there's a little kid down there who's got, not got a dad and the mum's a druggie. And, yeah. and they'll say, right, you become friends with them and get them over here. And, and that's how it works. And so, of course, they're going to use the kids to do it because that's how uh, any contract works. You know, you've got to use person in that demographics to appeal to that demographic to get them on board yeah. so um yeah no you're right you're absolutely bang on right and it's it's a tried and tested method yeah it's 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 shocking and again for for the viewers at home these are pretty dark cases but you've got to understand it's for for myself and john it's important that the realities of the broader picture are brought to light because so much is whitewashed and when we consider the the individuals in power that are like-minded with some of these individuals you you can understand the cover-up the leniency and how a lot of these people end up uh, you know ending themselves behind bars shall we say but i think that i think we've we've, we've delved into this one enough john i think uh, moving forward we're going to focus on one case at a time and see how how that feels and rolls out for for the viewers and i mean i'm loving this series and i, I can't thank you enough again for giving up your time for us this week i know uh, we've both been a bit poorly the last couple of weeks so i'm glad to get the ball rolling again and uh, look forward to see where we delve next week yeah, yeah. So I've got a treat for you next week, and uh, and it's something I've had involvement with um, this case, and so I, I know quite a bit about it on a personal level. So uh, yeah, let's let's go for it. it. It's it's a good one, and each one is that I'm saying interesting. I don't want to say that to belittle the victims of this, but I think it's important people understand that these beasts walk among us every day. These beasts walk among us, and they're charismatic, and you know. Um, and they do a good job. They're like chameleons. They are. They are 100%. And if you've missed any of the episodes, please find the links down in the description. And uh, until next time, from me, Ron Swanson, as always, guys, be safe out there.